Welcome to the Education, Career, and Beyond podcast. We've combined life experience with young adult drive and ambition. Are you just starting to college plan? Did you finish your education and wonder, now what? Join us in this lively discussion about the topics you need to know to create the next stage of your life's dreams, careers, finances, education, and more. Brought to you by Voice for Heroes 501c3. All right. Welcome back to the Education, Career, and Beyond podcast. I'm Capri, and I'm with my co-hosts, Amy and Ed, and we're so excited to bring you an episode about College Decision Day and everything that you need to know to make the best decision you can for yourself. Ed, why don't you start us off with a little bit more about what we're going to talk about today? Well, this topic came up because it's that time. So uh, at the time that we're recording this, it's the middle of April. So for parents of high school seniors or transfer students that are already in college, um, you got to make a decision pretty quick. And by pretty quick, it's usually done by May 1st. So if you've never gone through the process before, there could be a bunch of questions about what should I be doing now? What should I be thinking about? When do I have to, when should I really make the decision? How do I compare schools? So I thought we might take a little bit of time and kind of go through that a a little bit. And I've got my expert panel here too, because Amy was able, she's been through that with her daughter and even participated in a waitlist situation. Capri had multiple choices when she headed off to school. So um, as much as it's about the conversation about what I've helped people to do. You guys have lived it in real time. So you guys can contribute to it as well. So I think the big thing that actually surprises me more than anything else is um, folks don't take the time to visit schools in person. And that seems odd, but sometimes when a student is considering multiple schools, um, distance and cost start to become a significant factor in that. Uh, and I completely understand that. But I think the big thing is you, you got to go see where you're going to be for four years plus. And in Capri's case, it's not a matter of just being in Southern California, because that's where we all are. It's not like she's traveling to a school right down the road. She's traveling halfway across the country to go to a school. And that school um, has a bunch of unique things specific to them are weather. And for us folks who live in Southern California, weather is significant and it probably should be part of the conversation. So um, if you're a parent that's looking at down the road, please go take your kids to visit these schools in the Midwest and back East, like in the wintertime, so that they get a real solid feel (laughs) for what it's going to be like. Now, that might not be possible, but nevertheless, it's valuable because you want to know what you're getting yourself into. We wake up here in Southern California. Most days are pretty sunny and very nice, Um, but there are days when it's gray and it's overcast and it might be a little chilly, and that's nothing like being in Indiana or Massachusetts or Maine or any of these other places, particularly not used to it. So location is important. Knowing what you're getting yourself into is also fairly significant. Um, and making sure that, that the conversation isn't just one way, like they're telling you about the school, but more importantly, you're getting questions answered. And I think of that in two categories. Well, three, actually. One is what's academically going to happen. 
um, what's the social activities surrounding the institution? What can you cannot do? Um, what's what's what are you gonna do with your time? And then believe it or not, I think there's an element of community. How do you fit into the community? What can you do while you're there? What impact can you continue to make even though you're going to a new school? So I kind of want to go through some of that. Uh, and I also want to talk a little bit about how to read an award letter, what you're looking at, what you got to watch out for, and how to compare schools at that level, because not all schools are created equal. So you got to know what you're getting yourself into. And then we'll have a brief conversation, time permitting, about transfer or uh, coming off wait list and what that looks like. So, um, yeah, you guys can fire away right. questions. You can do whatever you want. Well, first, Ed, I love that you brought up visiting the school. That was a hard thing that we weren't able to do, and I still regret it. But thankfully, she ended up in San Diego here close to home. So it wasn't a problem. But in the process, that was really terrifying for me of not being able to do that and have those options for her. But Capri, for you, especially when you brought up, go check the school in the Midwest of the winter, you ended up with Purdue. Did you yeah. do that? Did you go visit the school? Were you mm -hmm. aware of where you were going to and how did that impact you? So yeah, um, I actually visited Purdue, I think it was like a year ago today. And she's there today as well. <laughs> There's real stuff happening in the real back. Real stuff happening, that's this life. She's at Purdue having this conversation with us. She'll be <laughs> Sorry, it cut out there for a second. Um, but yeah, I visited Purdue almost a year ago today, and right now it is 75 degrees and sunny, but when I visited last year, it was like 45 degrees, sleeting rain the entire time, and it was just a little, I, I was honestly a little bit shocked, but part of the reason I was so drawn to it is that the sense of community was so strong, so I was like, okay, like even if I can't be outside all the time, here's all these other people that I could be friends with and find a community within, even if it's not necessarily in a way that I'm used to doing it at home. Mm. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, you it, knowing what you're getting yourself into. And, and I would also say that, particularly if you're going and you're getting on an airplane, you're going somewhere, that's not like a one or two hour thing. That's like plan on spending a half a day or a whole day there because you want to know what the dorms look like and you want to know what the library looks like and if you can stick your head in a couple classrooms that's good you want to talk to the professors you want to talk to the students you want to act like you're going to be there because you're going to and i'm also a big fan of taking lots of pictures and tons of video so sometimes those visits you might visit in the fall like when you're going through the process and you some time passes and you're like sometimes those schools start to blend together and you're not really sure which one's which so if you can pull out some pictures and some video to refresh your memory notes that you might have taken um, questions that you might have asked and jotted down that also will have an impact on just recalling certain things and that list of things that you thought were important or schools that you thought were important may have shifted and changed in four or five months so you're going to want to have to revisit it and kind of reacquaint yourself particularly if you're going there for the second time so i think culture is important community is important dorms and, and the problem with that which i know this is going to be hard to believe but these schools are sales and marketing people they're there to show you what they want you to see 
your job is to figure out the stuff they don't want you to see. So they may show you, show you a new dorm building that was put up a couple of years ago, but you might want to ask them like, that's great. Is that where I'm staying? Is there another place that the freshmen go to? And that might be a dump, right? So it could be an old junky building, but they might not show you that. So you really want to dig in and really get an idea of what's happening. Sitting in on a class, Understanding yeah. class sizes, understanding the relationship between the professors and the students, all of those things will be super important when it comes to decision time, depending on, you know, how those things rank in, in the student's world and the parent's world. So plan on spending time there. I mean, a drive-by is not going to get it done. You're going to have to park the car, get out and really take in the entire college experience to the best of your ability while you're there. And something to add to that, I'd recommend going on a school day so you can actually see, because when I was um, in early high school, it was like one of the first college campuses I ever been on. I went to Cal Poly. It happened to be during their spring break and there was almost no one there. And it was oh. really, really odd because I was like, there's 20,000 people that go here. Like, why aren't they outside? And the tour guides were like, oh, like, they're just not here right now. And so it was really weird because I feel like I didn't get the true feeling of the campus. Whereas yeah. when I toured Purdue, it was right in the middle of school. Like you could see everyone doing things that you would be doing in college. I don't know. We always play cornhole or like throw football and whatnot. And it's kind of fun to see people actually living their life and being like, oh, like I could see myself doing this. And then also go check out a class. There are so many people, especially if you can meet someone or just honestly like ask your tour guide if they have a class that you can go to because those like 300 person lectures, they're not going to care. They're not going to know you're there so you can just go. And then also if it is a smaller class, um, there was a girl in my class whose sister came the other day and we have about 20 people in our class. So it's like everyone is pretty friendly with each other and knows each other pretty well. And she just got to like sit in and be with us for the time that we had class and it was really great and I feel like that actually helped her college decision experience decision making experience yeah that's huge I love what you said about visiting when school's in session mm -hmm. I get a lot of parents particularly for underclassmen high school underclassmen are like oh we're gonna go visit in the summer I'm like what's the point <laughs> like it's cool to visit in the summer like you definitely do get a feel for the campus but in my experience, the more impactful ones were when there was actually people in session. Yeah, I agree with that totally. That makes perfect sense. But it, it's stuff that you need to talk about because if you've never done it before, yeah. you're, you're not even thinking that there's going to be hardly anybody there. Right. The spring break one is the big one, which is high school spring break and college spring break are usually different. So if you can head out on spring break for like Southern California high school students right now, that they're on spring break. So they're out looking at schools. Well, that's good because colleges, school, are, back. colleges are back and they're in session. So you can get a feel for it. Yes. Um, but yeah, you got to allocate that time. And even if you can't, because a lot of folks, you know, they go on vacation for spring break and I get all that, but you've got to either buy the time out while the student is in high school, because you're making a very important decision that has a lot of dollars and real sense attached to it. It's like trying to buy a car without test driving it first. It looks good <laughs> right. on the lot. It looks good on the internet, but you don't really know until you drive it a couple times to see if it's even a good fit. So it's the same thing with these schools. If you don't get out there and get a feel for it, um, lifestyle, students, 
you know, you know, if their sports, is it good? Is it bad? Is that important? And you, it's important to make that list. What's the, what are the things that are be encouraging to you to make the buying decision mm -hmm. and then make sure you check those things out. Mm -hmm. Right. Do you, um, do you want to touch a little bit on like the whole wait list thing? I know Amy has a lot of valuable input here and I think a lot of people are kind of, it's getting to that time where like everyone has figured out whether or not they're on a wait list and kind of just explain a little more about like, what are your options once you're there? It's like, oh, I really want to go to my dream school. I'm on this wait list. What yeah. do I do? Um, in some cases, there's nothing to do, mm -hmm. right? So some schools don't want to hear from you. They're making their decision internally. Some schools, I had a young man tell me a school said, hey, you're on the wait list. Would you be interested in writing a 500 word essay and kind of explaining why you want to come here? And that could be a little bit much. I mean, if you've been writing and Capri, you understand this. If you've been writing and writing and writing and you start writing for scholarships and a school who wants, who's got you on a wait list says, write me another 500 words, you might go, I ain't doing that. That's fine. But just as long as, you know, some of these schools are usually the ones that the, the, the students are super excited about and emotions start to sway. It's like, mm -hmm. fine, if you don't want me, then I don't want you. Forget it. I don't care about wait lists. And some students are like, I'll do anything I possibly can to get off this wait list and right. attend your university. So it depends on what they're looking for. But if they are looking for something, writing or um, you want to give them a list, um, it's just important to not regurgitate what you've already given them. It's really important for you to lay out something new, um, something that may have changed, um, a unique experience that they're not aware of since the time you applied. So it's good to have those opportunities when they're available to you, but make sure that you're sharing something that they don't already know. Right. Um, and I would also say that you have to make a decision no matter what May 1st. So the most tragic situation mm -hmm. I've ever run into is a student was on a wait list and they waited. They didn't commit to a different school by mm -hmm. May 1st. And then the school never brought them off the wait list. And okay. now they're like, what are we supposed to do? I'm like, you should have already decided. You should already know what your plan is while you're waiting is like oh no we never picked anywhere i'm like well you better go beg somebody to take to you say in say yes to you again so the big thing is make a decision even if it's not your first choice or you're waiting for that other school you've got to commit to some place by may 1st mm -hmm. and then if you decide if the school says yeah we want please come then you know you have to make a decision about whether that makes sense and I would argue that before you even say yes, if they take you off wait list, you want to see if there's any money coming your way. So schools may offer you a spot, but it doesn't mean they're going to offer you scholarships and grants. They may go, hey, you want to come and you want to pay full freight, 60, 70, $80,000. We'd love to have you. <laughs> well, that might not be a value proposition that makes sense for the family. So you know, it's a little hard. It's easy to say, but it's hard to do. Try to extract the emotion from the decision-making process. Evaluate that list of people who said yes based on the merits and the things that they have to offer and what's important to you. And then um, if something changes, a school says, hey, we'd love to have you, use that same criteria to determine whether or not it makes sense for you to attend there 
after and if and when you come off the wait list. So there's a lot of stuff that's behind the scenes that goes on that you have no say and no control over. One of them could be whether or not you come off a wait list. And for that matter, if a school says no, those schools might not have an appeal process either. So you really can't do anything about that. But if there is one, make sure you follow the instructions that you're given and do it in a timely fashion. Mm -hmm. We went through it, as you know, Ed, but for, for all of you watching and listening, we went through this experience last year and it's, there's, it's hard to take that in and set those emotions out when you're going through it, especially it's my daughter. This is her first pick. And what do we do? And looking at it, taking the emotions out and looking at long-term goals, realizing that saying yes to that school that was also close by, that would still be good to go to for those undergrads, that if this, if this school you're on the wait list for is really what you want, let's take this other school that's close by and you can transfer in, in two years and realizing then you'll still get there if that's what you really want. Let's evaluate. Do you choose a school that you're saying, okay, I'm really just to commit to my second choice for four years, or is my first choice that I'm waitlisted so important that I'm willing to go to maybe a, a local community college to do those general eds so I can still end up there? And that was the decision that our daughter made was to say, okay, I'm willing to take this risk. And thankfully it did work out. She came off that waitlist and it was the end of May. So it was another 30 days before she even knew. So she had already really thought this isn't, this is it. It's not happening. She had given up, I think, not really realizing that 30 days, late, 30 days later, that yes could still come in, in which case it did. And it was that extra work of then going back to the other school and saying, sorry, we've changed our mind now, moving, transferring her FAFSA and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it did get handled and it was worth it. And that patience in those 30 days, I think we all lost nine lives in 30 days, but it was worth it. <laughs> And and now at the end of the day, she's so thankful with that choice. Had she, I think, been it not been accepted, I think she would have been just as happy at the second choice doing her undergrad, knowing that she would do that transfer. I think it's still going to work out. Your long-term goals are still going to be there. And putting that into perspective in this horrible time of May 1st, when everybody's getting their acceptances or they're waitlisted, there's a lot of emotions. But a couple of years from now, you're really not going to remember this in that detail. You're just going to see where you are and how you're still getting to where you wanted to go. I'm glad that you talked about the emotion piece because I think there's no doubt that it's heightened emotion. There's a lot of things riding on these decisions yes. that's been put in. I would just say try to make the decision in your mind or on paper before you're in that situation because the yes. emotions can swing you in a way. Um, it was grueling. Worst, yeah, the worst um, word in the English language is maybe. Yes. Um, the second one is no, but no is definitive. You no know, is definitive. Doing, right? You can make Maybe other decisions. Yeah, it's the worst because you're like, is it a yes? Is it a no? I'm kind of stuck in the middle. So I always tell students, like, try to narrow that list down to three, including the waitlist school. Mm -hmm. So prioritize them. Have a list so that when you show up on campus, you kind of walking into that going, this is my first choice. So I'm going to look at it differently. And that could adjust. I have a, a young man I talked to yesterday. He's like, right now, this school is right here. But I'm going to go still visit the other school because I want to make sure that I'm making decisions with my eyes wide open. It was yes. number two, but I want to make sure that I I go through the process completely. And I think that's really wise is that he had his mind kind of made up, but he's not shutting things down um, before he goes and he has that in-person experience. Yeah. And I think that's a really smart way of doing it. 
And as a parent, this was just as difficult, just as emotional. And I felt I needed to be just as educated as my, as our daughter did, because I can't expect her to know how to navigate these emotions at the time she was 16. So the importance for me as a parent and anybody listening to this and watching this, that importance as a parent to make sure you're just as educated in this process and how to look at these decisions is super important. Yeah. And if you're paying the bill, you have the right to ask questions too on these tours and these places. Tours are great, but just not everything. So when you get in that environment, you want to ask those questions. And sometimes these young men and women who are tasked with giving these tours, they're new. They (laughs) might not have done a ton of these. They might not have all the experience and all the answers to the questions. So gravitate over to the financial aid office, to the admissions office, to the the business school or the engineering program you're looking at and try to get the answer to the questions that you need. And I think some of them could be as simple as what's your graduation rate? How long does it take to get out of here? Capri talked about class sizes. What do those look like? Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in the the uh, employee to student ratio. I'm interested in the professor to student ratio. I don't want you to count the three guys that are running the mop up and down the the hallway as faculty. I want to know, you know, what are we really looking like for support? What if your kid has a learning challenge or they learn differently? What support systems are in place for that? Dyslexia, ADD, ADHD, those types of things matter in these conversations. And you want to get those answers, particularly as a parent, to make sure that the support system is in place when the student gets there. And another question I think that's relevant today without getting into that subject, but asking about what the the resources are as far as campus security, especially for young women going on campus. Are they safe? Where where are their resource centers? Um, what are their safety protocols? Are the parking lots well lit? Like for us, parking was a huge issue because uh, our daughter ended up being a commuter. And so knowing that every time she goes in, sometimes she has night classes, where is the safest place for her to park? What security is there so that we know that she's well coming in and out of that campus? I think that is a gigantic point, Amy. I mean, let's not, I mean, let's not be naive. These college campuses are are places where unfortunate things are happening on an almost regular basis now. Understanding what the emergency protocols are, how they're protecting your your child, your the student is super huge. I mean, that I think is fairly significant. I think on one of our um, podcast episodes, we talked about safety and what traveling impacts and making sure you know who you're around and what's happening in your immediate vicinity and having your head on a swivel, making sure that you're being intelligent. I mean, college campuses are awesome, but there's some bad people even on college campuses. And some of them are huge. It's like its own city. She's at UCSD. It's like a huge city and her safety is, is utmost important. We, I don't, I don't care what the cost is for the parking lot that's the safest for her to use versus, well, I could park way over here off campus. No, especially as a young woman and and for the young men as well. Nobody should be put in an unsafe situation. So if you have to budget for parking versus other things, and you need to take a look at that ahead as well, because that's an important part to look at at the overall cost of the college. Yeah. And by the way, on that subject, transportation is a big deal. Can I have a car? Can I not have a car? What's the public transportation like? How do I get from point A to point B in and out of the campus? What if I want to go off campus? Understand that not all schools are created equal in that regard too, right? Um, You want to make sure that you understand how all those systems work. Some cities are better at that than others. Like Mm -hmm. you said, it's its own ecosystem. 
onto itself. The real question is how do you navigate that? And having a clear understanding of that is huge. And, you know, we start to talk about costs and expenses and just making sure that you're not being overcharged for things. My favorite thing on an award letter or a bill is miscellaneous. Like, can you please <laughs> explain to me what miscellaneous, what miscellaneous is? is? Why am I paying for health insurance if I already have health insurance? What are, you know, all those little things start to matter. Yes. You know, what, what dorm options do I have? When should you be making those decisions, making the deposit in a timely matter, manner, I should say? All of those things are all important. What requirements does that institution have? Saying yes is kind of the beginning of that business relationship. And I do consider a business relationship. It's all the stuff that comes after that. What are the requirements? Am I missing anything? Mm -hmm. Those details be, start to come in focus after you say um, some of it's in focus before you say yes but paying attention to those details after yeah. they say, you say yes is important too i agree i agree okay. wow well we've All got right. about five more minutes ed what are the what are the hot topics you want to cover in these last few minutes for this because this powerful information i mean it's about i mean we started talking about a little bit just a minute ago which is the money mm -hmm. um I'm always big, like if you're looking at two or three different schools, you've narrowed it down. Not each school is the same. So I was looking at a ward letter yesterday and I noticed something on the award letter and it said, um, I can't, I'm not gonna remember the exact language on it, but it caught my attention because it was like a preliminary cost of attendance. And then the next one said total cost of attendance. And it, it got some of that miscellaneous stuff in there. And I was like, mm -hmm. When you're comparing a school to a school, you want to make sure they're the same. Like if it's got miscellaneous expenses, look for the miscellaneous expenses in the other. And some of these award letters are two pages, three pages, it's got all this stuff and a key yeah. and a diagonal line that connect. It's just a lot. So I, I say, what's your top line number? What do they estimate that cost of attendance? Not tuition, because that's not everything. Talking room, board, books, travel expenses. What is everything that they're putting in there? What are the things that you consider to be miscellaneous that as a family you can take care of on your own? Then you subtract grants. How much money are they giving you free? Scholarships and grants. And then look at those subtotals. Then they might have work study. Some have, some don't. We won't get into whether you should or should not on this, this episode, but that is considered financial aid. That should come off the top. And then loans, what's left over? And I had a parent tell me, he's like, these schools are almost the same. And I said, there's one other question you've got to ask, which is how long does it take the average student to graduate? So if a school says, um, well, we're your net is going to be $25,000 out of pocket. Well, that's great if you're thinking four years. But what if the average student graduates in five? You've got to add another $25,000 to that total. And so I've had situations where a parent will say, this private school is 40, this public school is 25, that's $15,000 a year, we're going to go to the public school. And I'm like, right, except what happens if it takes you six years to get out of that school? Well, 40 times, 40 times four is 160, but 25 times six is 150. So... <laughs> You have to do that math. It's an yeah. apple and orange comparison. They're not all the same. And it's not easy to hear that, but you need to know before you sign on the dotted line what that math is going to calculate to be. 
so that you can anticipate additional costs that you might not have been thinking about before you said yes. So the money is a, always an important part of the picture. I'm a big fan of asking for more if it's justified or sometimes just asking to see what they may or may not do. So there's always ways to look at this and making sure that you've got the best price you possibly can. It starts with understanding your award letter, what's free, what's not, and comparing the amount of time it takes the average student to graduate. And then if you need more money or you want more money, ask, the worst they can say is no. Yes, beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. Capri, any great. final thoughts? You're, you're rounding into the end of your first year here. What words of wisdom would you give to someone right um, now setting that May 1st deadline? Just take a breath. I know, Amy, you said this a little bit earlier, but like if this, if your goals are truly, if you truly believe in yourself and your ability to meet your goals, you'll make it happen no matter what. Your path may not be linear, but if you're that determined to get to the end line, like you'll get to the finish line. It just might not be the first try or the first way that comes to everyone else's minds, and that's totally okay. So yes. good luck to everyone making their college decisions in the next few weeks. Um, I'm sure you'll end up where you're supposed to be. Yes. And by the way, on that subject, I would, if you guys you talk about straight lines and zigzags and mazes, go back to the episode where Capri's um, college uh, partner friend, McKenna. McKenna. It's a couple you. episodes ago with McKenna and Capri. Yeah. Yes. Go, go back and watch that because her journey didn't go the typical way. Right. And I, I didn't hear any regrets in that conversation. All I heard is thankfulness about the experiences she had along the way. So I go back and look at that episode because there's many different ways to get to a destination, as Capri and Amy both said. Sometimes it's not traditional. It doesn't really matter. It just matters that you get where you want to go and, and try to adjust the plan to fit where what your destination is. Great closing thoughts, Ed. Thank you so much. Why don't you take us home? Oh, okay. Well, you know, we love, love talking about young people and their in their in their journeys. And that's why this is always going to be about education, careers, and beyond. And uh, we're super happy to be here. This is, we love doing this. And you know, here's the deal. If you hear heard something on this episode that you really, really like, give it a thumbs up. If you know of somebody who should hear it forward it on because that helps our community and we get more people involved with what we're trying to distill. And I would always say subscribe because I know these young ladies in my absence, an amazing job. So you want to go back and listen to all of those episodes and, uh, you know, come back next week because we have another great guest, another great episode related to the future of our young people and how they can benefit from the experiences of others. We'll see you next week. <laughs>